Hey everybody, today on the Multiply Podcast, we're talking about making a discipleship shift in 2021. Check it out. Hey everybody, welcome to the Multiply Podcast. My name is Jared. My name is David. And he is really sick. I'm okay. <laughs> not really sick, but... Not really sick. Just a little dragon. Just you, a little dragon. Not, well, not dragon like the mythical creature. Right. Dragging in the sense that... ing at the end. You're using like half of your brain right now. Yes. So if Which you're used to... evens things up between us. If you're used to really smart, David, <laughs> this is going to be a whole new podcast for you. No, I'm just kidding. You're just a little under the weather, but you're here... It's January 25th. Yep. We've made it through almost the first month of 2021. Mm. You and I have probably lost a combined 75 pounds already. Yep. 70 of that is me. <laughs> Five is you. Are you having your leg amputated <laughs> between that one then? Yeah. Well, that would be a strategy. It's uh, it's playoff season, and I just want to make mention that for the first time in many years, the New England Patriots are a non-factor in the NFL playoffs. Mm. And I couldn't be happier. Well, thank you for bringing that up. And you couldn't be sadder. Are they going to be good next year? Is no. There any chance? No, I don't think so. Well, then I can't wait for next year, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Finally, I'm realizing what it feels like to be all the other NFL teams. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's not been a fun couple of years. Well, even last year we had Tom Brady, but we were terrible. We had a good – we looked good early on, but we were terrible. So it's kind of – Did you make the playoffs last year, though? We did. Yeah. We did, but we barely, you know. And then lost in the first round or no? I think we made it to the second round. I can't remember, but mm. but now you know Tom is on Tampa Bay, and yeah. we'll see. Football is not as exciting for me. I know Super Bowls Sunday is a pretty big deal at your guys's house. Normally, Jen really gets into like sort of just the like um, yeah. the event, not the game, but the event. Yeah, yeah. She likes making food. She likes the commercials, and yeah. So it'll yeah. be weird this year because I imagine it'll be again still not quite as easy to watch the game together like we are used to. Right. So um, you know. Guess I'll just have to eat all the food by myself. Yeah. Are you gonna break your diet on Super Bowl Sunday? Probably. I usually do. Kind of have to. Yeah. yeah. It's just not fun without it. Uh, Yolo. But yeah, Yolo, man. So, well, I hope you're enjoying your New Year, everybody. Uh, if you did not check out our last podcast, please, please do. It's uh, we talked about goal setting in 2021. So hopefully that'll be a benefit to you. Mm-hmm. And speaking of goal setting, we have, um, you know, we have a, a pretty cool announcement. I should have said it in the last podcast, but I didn't. So I don't know where we're at as of this podcast, but we have uh, we have recently hit a kind of new milestone, which is we are now over twenty thousand listens. Wow! On the Multiply Podcast, thank you out there, twenty thousand listeners. Yeah, does it's, that mean we have twenty thousand different listeners who listen every week? No, oh, it means let's just say that's what it means. Well, yeah, it 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 probably means we have like two million <laughs> listeners. But Ooh. it just miscounts sometimes. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. If you're a regular listener and um, you enjoy this, uh, we'd love for you to share it, to rate it, um, throw it on your social media. Um, that's how you can help us get the word out, you know. Yeah. And one of the things that's cool is I was looking over the analytics of it. We've got we've got listeners from over 50 countries. And uh, our number two country is, I think, um, is it Ireland? Really? Yeah, and then there's England, and there's some some crazy listeners out there that we would never expect. So well, we have missionary friends in Ireland. So yep. I'm wondering if maybe the Harshburgers are listening, and then I have a friend. Uh, I have some friends in England. So yeah, and then and I'm guessing probably most of the Liverpool Football Club players listen because I'm such right. a huge fan of theirs. Yeah, and a lot of international pastors and leaders, and right. just 
Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys. Hey, we hope hope it's been a blessing to you. Um, we we have fun doing it. So here's the twenty thousand more in two thousand twenty one. Oh wow, that's a goal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, today we're excited. Um, in order to get us to that next twenty thousand listens, we know we had to bring you a super juicy topic, <laughs> and um, we we kind of picked the topic that. Both of us don't necessarily have answers to, but we got to find answers to. So we decided let's talk about it on air. And happy, then happy marriages, <laughs> <laughs> happy wives, happy wives. Yeah. Thankfully, our wives don't listen to this podcast. So um, <laughs> not even a second. None we, of those 20,000 listens are from Jen or Aaron. Exactly. We want to talk about the idea of um, shifting discipleship. So going into going in pre COVID. You know, people had churches had discipleship strategies, hopefully, or um, an idea of what that looked like. And obviously, COVID has thrown everything up in the air. And going into 2021, hopefully, there's been enough time now to kind of settle, assess, look at where we're at, and come to the realization that we need to shift some things. We need to we need to adapt. We need to change. And um, and I was kind of texting you and leading up to this, saying like, what about talking about this concept because I know you and I have talked about it for Trinity where you pastored what does it look like like what does a discipleship look like post COVID now where in a lot of places including where we are in New York you still can't gather normally you st- there, there's still a ton of restrictions people are still very uneasy about meeting in homes mm-hmm. and so a lot of the typical things that you would encourage for disciple making um, feel like they can't be done or they're really difficult. And so what does it look like to shift a discipleship strategy in 2021, given all the factors that are happening? And, um, and so we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about that today, and we hope to solve all of David's problems <laughs> by the end of this podcast. That'd be, that would be incredible. <laughs> incredible. I think you know this is probably for most pastors, and certainly for me, this is the number one thing weighing on my mind. Um, going into the new year, and I feel myself maybe um, building in frustration over the delay of just sort of being able to have clarity as to when can we start to do certain things again, and who's comfortable with what, and what's wise, and what isn't wise, and I think we're all still trying to figure that out, because we're still in a situation where many people are getting sick, and people are dying, and there's this new strain that they're talking about. So it's just all, you know, now the vaccine is out. And so there's so many different factors that are playing into this. But I guess the, the starting point for this conversation, at least for me, is when there's so much uncertainty and when there's such lack of clarity, um, you, have to, you have to sort of drill into what hasn't changed, right? And what ultimately still is true, regardless of anything. And so for, for me, some of that has been going back to simply the question of what does a disciple look like? So what's the point of talking about discipleship if, if we don't have this sort of shared, agreed um, definition of what a disciple is? And so some of that has been just really helpful for me to remember, like, these are the things that disciples are. And so there's different ways we talk about it. Um, I use this um, three-word thing often where I talk about disciples are leavers, they're learners, and they're lovers. Disciples are leavers in that they're, they're always leaving things behind in their pursuit of following after Christ. So the initial disciples left their fish and their nets and followed Jesus. And so my question always is, is, to people who are disciples is what have, what have you recently left behind? Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's a sinful struggle. Maybe it's a wrong belief. 
then also disciples are learners. So this is a big thing is like, because we can't gather as frequently or in the way in which we used to, there's actually no reason why we can't keep learning, especially nowadays. And so what are we doing as a church to challenge people to leave things, to equip people to keep learning and growing? And then lastly, disciples are lovers, and that's really twofold, lovers of Jesus, but also lovers of his mission. And so the idea that COVID would steal from all of us the opportunity to love Jesus and love other people or his mission uh, it's a lie. You know, we still have the full opportunity and responsibility to do both of those things. So I think of that. And then also another thing I think of, which is in Chi Alpha language, is the idea that disciple makers are people who find, uh, feed, and fight for the lambs of God or other people. And so, you know, one of the things I'm trying to challenge myself and think about challenging my leaders more this year is like, I know it's harder to find people right now. I get it because we're so disconnected. We're wearing masks. We're not together. But that doesn't mean that it can't happen. And what are you doing above and beyond to try to connect with people and then feeding them and then fighting for them? And fighting for them can just be simply checking in with them once a week. How are you doing? How can I be praying for you? So there's so many things that we can keep doing. And so it's been important for me to remember, like, remind myself, number one, making disciples is our mission. It's like this is the only thing that matters. And so this is a conversation worth having. This is what a disciple looks like. They're leaving, they're learning, they're loving. This is what disciple makers are doing. They're, they're finding, they're feeding, and they're fighting for. And then to allow that clarity to begin to um, guide other conversations specific to strategy, systems, resources, um, and just the way in which we're going to try and carry this out. Yeah. I think that's a really healthy approach, a way to look at it. And um, as you were talking, I would imagine one of the challenges is as a pastor, or a youth pastor, or whatever role you're in, um, trying to create a, it's not just come up with a strategy right now that's hard, it's coming up with the systems. Mm-hmm. Because it's really hard to put systems in place when you, you, attendance is sparse, it's people, it's not as regular, you know, the regular attenders is less. Because you've got all, you've got the fear of COVID. Then you've got people who actually get it, and then you've got people who are exposed to someone who had it, and they've yeah. got a quarantine. Yeah. And then their family has a quarantine, so it's just like there's so many and stories then, like that, right? And then you have some people who just are not comfortable with the restrictions that, that are required to gather. Right. So you have basically, um, and then I mean, unfortunately, there's also a category of people probably who have just disconnected from their faith. Right. Yeah. So you have these different categories of people. You have people who aren't coming for very wise reasons. You have people who are coming, but they're so interrupted in their coming because of COVID and other issues. And I totally get that. Then you get people who aren't coming because, um, you know, it's it's tricky as a pastor right now because the last thing I want to do is call someone out on their unwillingness to gather because I don't know everybody's issues and story and 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 fears and concerns. Um, you know, I do think you have to ask some hard questions about what you're doing the rest of your week if you're not coming to church, right? So if you're refusing to gather in a church, now I'm talking about a church that has a good safety plan and is doing everything necessary to keep people safe. If you're not doing that, but you're very engaged in other areas of society, whether it's school or work or going out to the mall, then to me, like, there's a discrepancy. Right. I'm sorry, there just is, you know. Yep. And, and at some point, good reasons become bad excuses. Yep. And a big part of self-awareness is knowing when your good reasons have shifted to being just bad, lazy excuses. And so 
as pastors, I think we're all wrestling through how do we navigate the tension of respecting where people are at, but also just as a pastor, challenging people out of concern for their spiritual well-being. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's all a factor. And then you have people, obviously, who just don't want to wear a mask or people who just have used this opportunity to disengage from the church altogether and their faith. So as a pastor or as a leader in a church, you're just not always sure what buckets <laughs> people fit in, right. which makes it challenging. Yeah. And I think on top of that, you you kind of referenced this um, when you were starting to talk, is the typical church model for disciple-making has relied on attendance to yeah. the church or an event, you know, so whether it's a, a foundations type of class or a training that you come to, um, or it's relied on church ministries or church events, and this is the most difficult time to do those things. Oh, yeah. So it it really forces us, and this is this is the whole reason we're having this podcast, it forces us to rethink our strategies. I think I was reading an article recently by Kerry Newhoff, is it? Is that you say his last name? Yeah. Um, and he talked about, he was talking about, you know, his, his article is always like eight reasons, six, you know. It was sort of like eight, eight disturbing, not disturbing, eight trends that are coming in 2021 that are kind of like going to affect the church. He's always good at writing stuff like that. But one of the things I remember is that he said something about moving from gathering to connecting. And I would say, like, if there's any strategy that I've been able to employ in 2020 and that I'm hoping to get even more strategic and intentional with in 2021, it, that's probably good language for it, is to not be so reliant upon the Sunday morning gathering um, or the other gatherings during the week, many of which we haven't started back up yet, but to not just, but to not settle for or to not give up on connecting, right? Gathering and connecting are not necessarily the same thing. I mean, you should connect when you gather, but you can connect in some ways without gathering. I still don't think it's really the way God created us to ultimately connect. But so one of the things that I did in 2020 is I led a Zoom study for a bunch of young men. Uh, We went through the book of Mark together and we weren't gathering per se in a building, but we were staying connected. And I'm starting it up again in Romans in 2021 with a, with a, some of the same guys and some new guys. And one of the big strategies this year is that um, I'm also one of the guys that I'm will be a part of the process. My hope for him is that after this 12-week study, he will then go and start his own, ideally the same one he just went through. So he has the full experience of it. He's comfortable with the content. And then we can multiply our connection so that we're inst- instead of just six guys, now it's five guys in one group and five guys in another group. And now we've gotten to 10. And so... I know that's not earth-shattering strategy, strategy, but I do think um, it's important for pastors and church leaders when you think of discipleship right now, I think a lot of the mentality is survival and bare minimum, but keep thinking multiplication. Who is in a connecting environment that could be running their own connecting environment? Because ultimately, disciples are people who make disciples. Yeah. No, I like that idea, and it's, and it's also, like you said, it's leveraging— um, it's leveraging the abilities that we have today and the reality of people being disconnected. Um, I think it's, it's important too, to, to start with what you're saying, which is um, what things are, are principles that do not change no matter what. But the other, the other kind of thing I think that's important is to look at this opportunity of COVID and say, what, what is the blessing that's come out of this? And I think one of the blessings for the church world is, Here's an opportunity for you to stop doing things mm-hmm. 
that you should have stopped doing but were difficult to shut down before this? Because typically, like, everything's gotten shut down. And so this kind of gives you an opportunity to keep things shut down and to not relaunch stuff that you know in your heart of hearts was, and we've talked about some of these ideas, like duplicating efforts. You know, is there certain ministries that are all duplicating the same thing and um, they're not moving people along the right, process. Right, not aligned. Not aligned, right. So for me, I, w- I would say first thing is to change your perspective from it only being negative and to say, okay, here's one positive. What are the things, what are the changes that we can make easily now because people are not going to be as offended, people are not going to be as upset, um, given COVID, that we should have made before or that we need to make moving into the future. And so as we, like to me, the worst mistake you can make is as we reopen, we can we just immediately reopen everything that we did before without leveraging the moment and saying, okay, what? let's, let's make sure we don't start doing anything that we shouldn't be doing. Yeah. You know? I, I 100% agree because um, I think there are things that probably every church was doing pre-COVID that was not as effective as it could have been. Um, or there's something else that could be even more effective as a part of a larger discipleship strategy. So getting the right people at the table and having those conversations. And now that we are, in some cases, 12 months from doing some of these things, maybe there's less emotional tie even to some things that previously would have been hard to quote-unquote kill. you know. And now it's kind of like, man, we haven't done that in a year we're still standing. I mean, right. you know, it, obviously um, that was valuable for a season. And I think it's so important in this season to have this mantra of what got us here won't get us there. Yep. And it's okay. Yep. It's totally okay. And so I think a lot of it is, I love what you're saying. It's just, don't just assume that the solution is to go back to the pre-COVID way of doing things. Make sure you're diagnosing, and we talked about this on our last podcast, which my goal, one of my goals for my leadership in 2021 is to ask better questions, to be better at diagnosing problems before I try to present solutions. Um, and I think that's a big part of it. You know, I'm and just trying to listen better. And I'm not a, I'm not a survey guy. Like I don't tend to love surveys, but I've struggled so much in December and January with thinking about, uh, especially early January, just thinking about, oh man, 2021, what are we doing at Trinity? And we've offered some stuff online. It's been, you know, some success, but certainly not kind of what we had hoped it would be as far as engagement. Um, is it worth the effort? But we can't do nothing because, like, you know, we genuinely believe that people need spiritual growth opportunities beyond the Sunday morning environment. So I actually uh, um, created and sent out a survey to our whole church family, which basically just asked some discipleship-type questions. And it starts with, um, if anybody's listening, any pastors are listening and they just want to see it, I can certainly share it with them. But the basic, it's just five questions, and the biggest, the first question is just, you know, what best describes your engagement on Sundays right now? You know, in person, watching online, listening online, none of the above. Second question, uh, what statement best describes, you know, your, the way you feel about spiritual growth opportunities beyond Sunday? And, you know, one being, I'm okay, I don't feel like I need it. Two being, I need it, but I, I'm, I'm not going to do it online. And three being, I need it, and I'm willing to do it online, Right. And then the next one really is like a whole list of different sort of spiritual growth environments that we could create, men's Bible study, a women's book study, a, a shared Bible reading plan, one-on-one spiritual coaching, and sort of a check all that apply. Which of these do you think would be helpful for you and your spiritual growth? Then the fourth question is just about the time of the week that they feel would work best for them if they were joining online. And, um, and, then, um, and then the last question simply is, would you be interested in being considered to be trained to lead something like this? 
And so um, by the time we, this podcast airs, actually, it will already have been distributed to our church, and I'll have the results, and, and maybe I'll know more. I can say more in the future about how it helped us or potentially didn't help us. But I just got to the point where it's like I can't keep guessing. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if this will help me or not, but I got to at least ask some questions, and maybe a consensus will come out, and it'll be really obvious. Like, man, there is a real need for this, but the best time for it actually is not when I thought it was. You know, and I, I just – I don't know what else to do at this point. So it's kind of what I'm doing. Yeah. Well, so let me throw this out to you as a kind of a question. I I personally have the sense, and I know this is not true of everybody, but I have the sense that as time has gone on, there is more and more of a longing for people to actually have in-person connection. Yeah, I agree. Um, and so to me, that's also another opportunity to leverage that. Like, um, but I also am well aware of, like like we've talked about before, I've got some people in my mind who I've been trying to disciple and build relationship, build friendship with neighbors. It's become drastically harder during this time because you don't know how they feel about coming over. Every, you're trying to be, you know what I mean? So it's like I may be okay with inviting them to my house, but I also I don't know where they've been. I'm not sure where they've been exposed to. It's different than family, right? Um, and so it, it's created it it's created a much more difficult situation but nevertheless i think at the core principle of disciple making there is people that are longing for in-person relationships so do you feel like there's a way that we can leverage that and maybe we maybe we narrow down the expectation like maybe it's like hey is there one person that you could do something with like i don't know i guess what i'm asking is like do you feel like this is a moment to to leverage that desire and is there a way to create a discipleship strategy that that isn't just all excuse me all digital yeah i do and i am meeting with some individuals one-on-one during this time and we just social distance you know um, i have the well i mean everybody knows that in the middle of the summer in the beginning of the fall last year really everybody let their guard down i mean i was meeting with people for lunch i wouldn't do that right now just because of what's happening in our community but I do have the um, I do have the benefit of having a church building at my you know fingertips, so to speak. So when I meet with someone one on one, what I do is I just meet with them in our church cafe, and we just sit on the opposite sides of a seven foot long table. And I'm committed to doing that with multiple individuals right now. My wife and I, in a couple Saturday mornings, will will meet with a new couple at the church for an hour uh, in our cafe. And I think like, yeah, you got to be creative. You got to find ways. And even as I get the results of the survey, if there's this overwhelming answer to the first, second question, which is basically like, I have a need for spiritual growth opportunities, but I'm, I'm only going to do it in person. You know, if that's like 80% of the people say that, then, you know, we have to not wait for perfect solutions. I don't think they exist right now. Mm. We have to start to say, okay, so we can't fit you know, eight guys into a classroom right now to do some sort of a disciple-making environment. But maybe we can find three guys that can, you know, spread out in a room and just be together. You know, I think we, we do, you know, if you wait for the perfect solution, then you, you it may not come all year. You know, who knows what 2021 right. is going to look like. Yeah. And so I do think we have to, on some level, not settle for less than what we want, but remind ourselves that ultimately what matters is that we are fulfilling the mission of making disciples. So just do something. 
Right. If you can't do it at the scale that you want to do at it, do it at, just do it for one person. Right. Yeah, I think that's that's the beautiful thing about disciple making and disciple making strategy. We we've done a podcast called The Minimal Factors of Disciple Making. And in that podcast we say like, hey, there's three factors, right? One is intentionality, which you can do right now. There's yeah. nothing about COVID that's preventing you from creating a strategy that's super intentional about here's what we do as a church. We make disciples. And we're not going to do anything that doesn't contribute to that. Um, and and by the way, one of the other wins is if you don't have a strategy, now's the time. Like you got you got essentially a reset button and some time to think about it. So instead of being discouraged, again, view it as a blessing. Go like, okay, I'm going to take until before stuff kicks back into gear and I don't have time to even think. I'm gonna I'm not going to come out of this without creating a discipleship strategy that I can start to implement. So intentionality is one. The other one is time, which discipleship takes time. The good news is we have time. Mm-hmm. Like it, th- this doesn't have to be solved in a four-week time period, right? And then the third is people. Like we've got to have people to disciple. We have to have disciples who can make disciples. And to your point, what you just said is that's also not being prevented right now because even if, if you're the pastor or leader, find one person. And guess what? In six months— or a year from now, maybe that person's ready to go and disciple another person. You can move on. And, and some of your capacity is more than one person. So even if that's all you can do, um, that's better than doing nothing. That's better than a year from now having nothing done. Um, a year from now, if you disciple a person to the point where they can then go make more disciples, like you've already started that process and that strategy. So there's nothing about what's happening right now that prevents us from being from making disciples, the only thing that will pause us is if you get overly concerned with the fact that I can't, maybe I can't implement this church-wide, mm-hmm. all-encompassing and, and including strategy, so therefore I'm just going to do nothing. Yeah. And I think that would be a mistake. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think there's just so, there's so, much, um, so much tendency to make excuses right now for what, as a church, we can and can't do, as individuals, what we can and can't do. But, I mean, listen, the, the church throughout history and around the world right now face has faced challenges and is facing challenges that are even greater than what we're facing, yeah. you know? Um, when you think of some of the plagues that have rocked our world in the past and you study those and you see what Christians did in the midst of those plagues, and I'm, I'm not in any way um, saying be risky or, or put your health in danger to do something— but there is some historical narrative that shows that Christians took some, you know, took some steps that were difficult to fulfill the mission of God. And so for whatever that's worth, I do think, you know, we still have a lot going for us. Yeah. You know, this is not 80 years ago or even 30 years ago where we can't, you know, outside of picking up a rotary phone, you know, and calling someone, we can't, I mean— we're positioned so well in 2020 and 2021 to stay connected right? and to keep discipling people, even if it has to be in a virtual format. So I do think like um, I get tired both within myself and within people around me at times, some of the excuses. It's like just, you know, if this is your mission, if this is who you are, if this is everything you're about, which is helping people move from unbelief to belief in the gospel in every area of their lives, then this is not something that you wait for the perfect um circumstances for this is just something that you're fully committed to all the time and you're going to find a way 
And so I think the question a lot of us probably, if we want a real gut check, need to ask ourselves is not, do we have a good strategy to make disciples, but do we even care about making disciples? Yeah. No, that's that's a good point. That's I think that's a, a very challenging question. And I know we're coming to the end of our time here, um, but one of the things I did want to mention that you and I had were talking about even before the podcast is um, no matter what role you're in in church ministry right now, uh, youth pastor, children's pastor, whatever, I do think there's two things that you can do that go beyond the I can't gather a crowd, I can't do this. And, and the two things are a discipleship strategy. How am I discipling the people that God's given me? Um, and, and like we've just talked about, that strategy could just start with one or two people. Like it doesn't have to be massive, but do I have a strategy that's measurable that I can, all the things that we've talked about. And if you want more information on that, go back and listen to some of the other podcasts we've done on creating discipleship strategies. But the other thing is, am I developing the leaders that are within my ministry? There's no reason why that can't be happening right now. There's so, like you just talked about the time we live in, right? There's so many resources. There's so many opportunities to leverage and to like, if anything, I, I, if I was in local church ministry, I would have viewed this season as kind of a prime time to do extra training and mm. and and giving getting resources into the hands that are people that are leading in my ministries because um, it's just a there's so much available. So that to me is not an excuse <coughs> at all. Well, and to give a shout out to something else that you do, you create regular resources for youth ministries. Um, you and Mark Freeman create a you have your own podcast and video cast and and stuff that's meant to be watched if I understand correctly by teams and even given discussion questions so it's like that's one example of a free resource that's out there and we're part of a network that just unleashed a massive resourcing effort to help churches get healthy so the idea that you can't be gathering your team in some way reading the same book touching base every now and then yeah you can't get your arms on everybody right now like you'd like to but just start with those that are closest to you. you know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So that's our encouragement to you. Um, instead of being discouraged and frustrated and kind of throwing your hands up at making disciples, let's in 2021 reevaluate. Let's rethink. Let's um, let's let's be willing to um, to strategically re re strategize on how we make disciples, what that looks like, and uh, how we can be adaptive in the things that God's given us and yeah. the leadership. So, all right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna close out our podcast with a portion we do called David's Eats, where we not only make better leaders but better eaters as well. And um, since David and I, if you didn't listen to the last podcast, we are on a diet. We are, in fact, in a challenge together, weight loss challenge. I want to know what is your go to diet food that you most enjoy, and you're kind of a low carb guy. <clears throat> That's your strategy. So yeah. So on a diet, but if you could have a a meal that is equally delicious as a non-diet what do you what are you having it's um well <clears throat> i mean the nice thing with low carb is that i don't have to give any meat up right so it's gonna have meat i guess like for me my favorite no low carb meal is is a kimchi or is a korean stew called kimchi jjigae and it's usually country style pork at least that's what we use on the bone and it's just in this like you, you take kimchi that has been fermented a little bit and you just put it into a pot. You add a little water. You, you cook it up. You throw the pork in. You can throw some tofu in. Tofu has a little bit of carbs, I think, but not too bad. Um, and so that's probably, like, my go-to dinner. During the day, like, I do a lot of, like, tuna and, like, pickled onions. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I have had kimchi jjigae. It's delicious. Yeah. Normally, you would eat it with rice, of course. Right. 
Um, but uh, but I'm not. So yeah. Well, hey everybody. We hope you enjoyed the podcast, and um, hopefully you're cheering for me in the weight loss challenge. Uh, we will keep you guys posted as we're going along, unless we do terrible, and then we won't mention it again. We'll forget it ever happened. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. This is the Multiply Podcast. We'll see you guys next time.